Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juice in the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I am your host, Joshua Tracy. And I'm here, Corwin Heller. In today's hat, Josh's hat segment, Toronto Blue Jays. I went to watch a game there two years ago. I keep wanting to say last year, like 2020 didn't happen. <laughs> two years ago, picked myself up a hat. Toronto, a great city. The ballpark is awful. I cannot recommend avoiding that ballpark highly enough. Such a bad stadium. <laughs> Which is a Was shame. It Rogers it Place, something like that? Rogers Center. Rogers Center? One of the two Rogers, Rogers Centers. Place. <laughs> Rogers I need to look up if Rogers Place is a thing and hope to God it is. Otherwise, I'm just real dumb. Yeah, not not a great ballpark. Pretty shitty. And it's very annoying because when, when we were there... You know, the Blue Jays were bad because they only really got good last year. Um, the stadium was empty. They were playing the Yankees at home on the weekend. The place was fucking empty. And we tried doing the baseball fan thing, which is, hey, this place is empty. Let's move up, um, which I've done at Citizens Bank Ballpark. Corin, you and I did at um, Camden Yards. You can, do it. you can fucking do it at Yankee Stadium if you really wanted to. Um, yeah. If the game was empty enough, which it's hard to find games that are empty enough to do it, but you can. And they were like being total dicks <laughs> Not about at it. Oriole games. <laughs> True. But yeah, they, they were like, nah, you got this is in your seats. Get out of here. Dude, there was like maybe 5,000 people there. It was fucking pathetic. But anyway. So I did look it up. Rogers Place is a real arena. In the major five sports, I will give you one guess Soccer. as to which team plays there. Uh, the Toronto Football Club. No, Edmonton Oilers. I thought I thought the sure. Oilers was also called Rogers Center. Rogers Place. I choose not to believe you. That's fine. Most people do. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we have another busy show today um catching up on some things that's happened at the end of last week beginning of this week that we just didn't get the chance to talk about plus so much breaking news that we have to get into so um i guess let's pick it up with um start with like the the, the top headlines i guess make sure we talk about the important stuff uh, so the thing that happened, like, right after we recorded, as it always, it feels like breaking news only happens on Thursdays and Mondays because fuck us so that we can't get the chance to talk about them exped- expeditiously on the show. But Carson Wentz got traded to the Indianapolis Colts. Now, yeah. Corwin had picked this as a spot because we talked about how um, the Colts are in a very rough spot in terms of the fact that they have no starting quarterback on the roster, not even um, Jacoby Brissett. So they, they, they needed to do something. They didn't have a high enough draft pick to get someone competent. Um, so they were going to have to trade for it. So this trade to them makes a lot of sense. Um, the Ultimately, the trade ends up being um, the Eagles send to the Colts Carson Wentz. And the Colts send to the Eagles the 85th overall pick and a conditional second-round pick that can become a first-round pick based on Carson Wentz's playing time. He needs to play 75% of the Colts' offensive snaps for the 2022 conditional pick to become a first-rounder, or he can play only 70% of the snaps and the Colts reach the playoffs. So... Let's think Almost about. Let's think about it as certain to be a first. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Let's just think about it as um, as a, a first and a third. Um, mm-hmm. that's it's basically what it is. In addition to this, other news rumblings I had heard is that um, this was the only trade offer on the table. Yes, the, that's what Adam Schefter reported. Yeah, yeah, the the Bears thing that we heard, apparently totally fabricated, which is wild because it's one thing to have false interest generated by teams try to, you know, gin up uh, value. That's not uncommon. But what was weird is that the last report I saw on the Bears thing is that the Bears were getting annoyed. And it's like, who who falsifies a rumor that the other team's getting annoyed? <laughs> who puts out a 
rumor that like, yeah, we're dragging our feet. We suck. Like that's just anyway. Um, what do you I think? really, I really hope like Chris Ballard or not Chris Ballard, who's the GM, uh, Ryan Pace, GM of the Bears, was just like really drunk or high or, or you know, in some way inebriated, sitting at home, and then like wakes up the next morning and sees like, oh, Bears are you know offering this, 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 and this for Carson Wentz, and he just freaks the fuck out like, I did what last night? Oh my god! Or he was being sarcastic. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I'm really annoyed at the Eagles <laughs> gotten back to us on the trade deal. <laughs> oh my god. Someone was like, oh yeah, yeah, there's a story here. Yeah, um, hey, how about that? All right, so let's take a piece by piece. What do you think about this for the Colts getting Carson Wentz, um, giving up the couple picks, but getting Carson Wentz? Man, I think it's a I I don't love it. Um, I think his Carson Wentz being he I think his ceiling is is fairly capped at this point. Um, I just I don't necessarily think he will ever be able to live up to the hype that he had in the twenty seventeen season, twenty eighteen season. I think one of the two. Um, you know, the year the Eagles went to the Super Bowl, they went won it. Wentz was having an MVP season before getting hurt in Week fourteen. I want to say. Uh, maybe even uh, earlier than that. Who knows? We don't have the internet. We can't look that kind of thing up. I just, I get that he's going back to Frank Reich. I get that he was his, you know, coach when that hap- when that you know breakout season happened. Just looking through the numbers that have been coming out about you know his statistics and everything that um, surrounded him in that uh, breakout season, I just am not loving the idea of Carson Wentz returning to form, especially when the concerns about his play has been basically attitude and work ethic related. Um, you know, refusing to take pointers from coaches, just having a an air of superiority around him that was not warranted and you wouldn't want in a franchise quarterback, you know, the leader of your team. I, just, I get that he's going to have a good team around him. Offensive weapons outside of Jonathan Taylor, you know, Pittman, it's, it's not ideal. I just, I don't love a, a Carson Wentz resurgence this year. I really don't. And I think that the Colts had a lot of options not a whole lot of great ones, a handful of good ones. Um, but, you know, I, I can't sit here and say, oh, they should have gone after Deshaun Watson. We don't know what the price was. Oh, they should trade up and get a quarterback. That's a whole can of worms in and of itself. You know, that's, you know, trading up is a lot more capital than this to begin with. And then you have both a rookie quarterback and a lottery you know, ticket all wrapped into one. So I think it was to a certain extent necessary for them to do it. I just don't love it. Um, Especially now knowing that it's a, almost a guaranteed first round pick, not a second round pick with a chance of becoming a first. Um, It's ugly, but again, likely necessary. Yeah, definitely necessary for all the reasons we said before we actually talked about the details of the trade. Again, the the Colts did not have like a starting quarterback on the roster, not even a second, you know, like a backup guy you could stretch, you know, he he can start. They didn't even have that guy. Like they Mm -hmm. needed a quarterback. Um, I would imagine that their, their calculus looks something like, Look, we won 11 games last year with 39-year-old Philip Rivers. Um, if Carson Wentz, and we think that the team, like you said, like the team itself is really good. If Carson Wentz can just be 75% of what Carson Wentz had been in the past, that's still a really good quarterback. Um, that if that bounce back is real, we might actually have for a couple seasons. Otherwise, we're SOL in the quarterback position anyway, Um, which actually makes the value of that first round pick that much higher. But, (laughs) (laughs) oh, because they could be really bad that season whenever that first round pick comes due, and they might need a quarterback, but oh well. 
Uh, so I, I'm in, I'm in your boat. It, I don't think I dislike it as much. It depends on what Carson Wentz just looks like next season. And I know that's a lame response, but he has been the most fluctuating quarterback in terms of ability on any given day that I just don't know what the fuck he is. Um, it's a flyer for a desperate team or a team with a severe positional need. So value wise, I get it. It it's just what you have to do. Mm-hmm. It sucks because I want Carson Wentz to be good. You know, I always want players to you know perform well and live up to expectations. It makes the NHL better. Um, NFL. Is that what I said? No, you said NHL. Oh, fuck me. I didn't even notice I made a mistake. Um, it's just tough. It's a, it's a tough situation. It's a tough scenario. It's been a tough career, uh, all things considered. It's, uh, it's definitely something that's going to be talked about ad nauseum. And, oh, my God, I'm not looking forward to it. Nope. And let's get into it on the Eagles side. Uh, They are, I guess, now ostensibly starting Jalen Hurts, unless they get in on the Deshaun Watson trade hype. Um, But ostensibly starting Jason Hurts, Jalen Hurts, and they now have two more picks. So what do you think about this trade from their perspective? I like it. Um, Getting a first-round pick back is pretty big. Um, honestly, not, not expected, you know, I know it's still conditional and it's not locked in yet and it won't be until after the season, but, uh, I think putting themselves in that kind of position is, is fantastic for them. Um, I'm up for it. You know, they have a guy in Hertz that I think will perform better moving forward. They, excuse me. Uh, they were able to clear some cap space moving forward, this, that, another thing, you know, I think they made the right move pulling the trigger and and were able to get more than I thought they were going to get for him. Yeah, I, it is what it is for the Eagles. I think they got good value. Um, Did they need to necessarily trade Carson Wentz? No, but I think this is an advantageous way for them to do it. They cleared a ton of cap off their books. I think if I'm the Eagles at this point, I might look at Jalen Hurts as being the um, slightly younger but significantly cheaper um, talent level of Carson Wentz, but in different stages. Like Jalen Hurts' rise might be crisscrossing Carson Wentz's fall at the moment, depending on how one, how you want to judge those guys. But And also, I don't think it would be unfair to say Jalen Hurts might be better right now just because he played pretty well in the time he got in Philadelphia um, this past season. But to be seen, small differences. They unloaded a ton of cap. They got a couple extra picks. And it's a position where they had two guys who can start games for you on the roster. So why not capitalize on the surplus? So, yeah, I I like it for the Eagles. Yeah. I'll be honest, Jalen Hurts absolutely played better than Carson Wentz last season. Carson Wentz was awful. Jalen Hurts was promising. Um, And you take that. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to his growth. And that also crosses a team off on our big board of almost every team in the fucking league um, looking at quarterbacks. Uh, So how much this changes the landscape of where players go, I don't know. It's not like we saw, I don't think you or nor I saw Indy being really in the running for Deshaun or Russell Wilson, should they both be actually on the market. Um, just because I don't think they had the capital to do it, but right, who fucking knows? You know, I think, you know, we all agreed. I don't know if it was something we even talked about, but, you know, Indianapolis was the premier landing spot for quarterbacks this season. Um, but you're right. They, they just did not have the draft capital. They definitely weren't going to be willing to part with any of their young promising players to grab a quarterback. Well, I can't be certain of that. You know, 
if they came and was like, hey, we'll give you Deshaun Watson for Quentin Nelson. That's an honest to God debate to have with yourself. Um, but, you know, I, I think all things considered, the the top spot's gone. The top guaranteed move this offseason is gone. Um, but, yeah, a hell of a lot more ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah. We are in for quite a lot. Um, all right, let's uh, let let let's talk about uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. and his contract. Yeah. Um, unless you have any other football things. No, I want to talk about Fernando. All right, Fernando. so we were recording and wrapping up right when this contract got announced. So you got our 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 bare bones first reaction to it. Um, and my instinct was to say, why would you do that? And I have since changed my mind. Mm. Um, I have come around and I think this is actually a great idea. Um, I forgot but, you had a negative on it. Huh? I forgot you had a negative response. Well, I, I think, I think the Acuna and Albies contracts made me so extra skeptical of team behavior when it comes to extending their young guys. Um, and man, I don't know how you're Acuna nor Albies and looking at this right now and thinking to myself, thinking to yourself, yeah, I'm still happy with what I did. Oh like, I, 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 yeah, I, I don't again, know how. I don't think either of us would have said that when they signed it. No, but maybe, maybe then you could have lied to yourself and been like, yeah, well, I mean, I'm young. Yeah, this is what young guys get. Nope. It's not. Um, Fernando Tatis Jr. doesn't have 162 games played yet, and uh, he got more than you by by a lot. Uh, to be fair, he performed better than you too, but not. By I a mean, lot. yeah, like on the margins, but yeah, <laughs> not not so discrepant as the difference between their pay. <laughs> that I'll put it that way. Um, and I, I got an interesting little little breakdown of it. Um, okay. Because what I, well, the way I want, I was thinking about it was, all right, how much money do you have to earn post arbitration in order to make this worth it? Because the other part about about this is that it buys out all the the arb years, um, which means something. Like it is that is pretty valuable. Those early controlled arb years, um. Now, actually, well, hold on. I'm getting. I think I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. I do want to fi- pull up um, his the actual contract details because when we talked about this and we got our first uh, reactions, the the how it was structured wasn't set out yet. So the way it's going to be is for 2021, he'll get paid one million dollars. 2022, five million. 23, seven million. 24, 11 million. 25, and 26 will both be $20 million. 2027 and 2028 will both be $25 million. And then from 2029 to 2034, which sounds like a made-up year, uh, it will be $36 million. So Fucking steal. It's, it's, it's heavily backloaded, and that $36 million is, is what today's, I guess, last year's, Highest AAV is, so that's what Garrett Cole gets paid now. So obviously it is still a lot of money, but looking at it from the perspective of how much money is going to be worth in eight years when 2029 rolls around and they have to start paying that, $36 million is still going to be a lot of money. Yeah. It's not going to be the highest AAV. Um, I don't think it's going to be fucking close. Oh, I think it'll be close. In, in eight years? Are you kidding Look at how much they've jumped in the past handful. Ah, uh, make a point. You make a point. And, and, well, and at that end, it's it is tough because it's like, do you you know do you count Bowers with it's like forty million dollars, but it's only for like three years, and you know because it, it, it's like the thing that made Coles so impressively large was that it was over nine years. Um, I don't know. That's going to be an interesting question. We will have to wait and see. Um, it might depend heavily on the CBA. We'll find out. 
mean, honestly, unless he regresses, which by all means is possible, we saw it with Carson Wentz. Um, unless Fernando Tatis regresses, this will be a steal throughout the length of the contract, barring, you know, age or injury issues. Um, you know, that's just the way contracts have been, you know, jumping up in price every single year and, and have been consistently the way top players have been getting paid. I think, you know, eight years from now, a uh, uh, tail end of prime Fernando Tatis would be, you know, drawing a hell of a lot more money than that in free agency. Yeah. I mean, so, eight years from now, he's 29. Yeah. Okay. Um, awesome, dude. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. But so, I, so what I did was I looked at um, Aaron Judge and what he has made in, incrementally up to this point in his career and extrapolated it out, uh, or I guess, yeah, that feels right, uh, to what Tatis likely would have made throughout the Arb years that Judge had gone through. Um, Judge was just in his final Arb year, so he'll be looking at um, an extension this upcoming season. Otherwise, I think he becomes a free agent, um, a restricted free agent, I believe. But, or no, I think it doesn't matter. Um, and, well, I'll, I'll let you know. So, Judge's salary from 2016 to 2021, this year, uh, went from 507000 544000 622684000 million and then this season he'll be getting paid uh, 10.1 million, 10.2. So in, uh, percentage-wise, those increases were 107, 107%, 114%, 110%, 1,242%. That's that big jump from uh, 684,000 to 8.5 million. Um, and then 120%. Um, well, actually, those aren't. That's the amount extra that the following contract is, not necessarily the percentage jumps. Um, the contracts didn't jump. On, eh, let me just subtract the one then to make this a little bit more conversational. I do this with myself at my fucking job too, <laughs> where I just argue with myself about how to structure formulas <laughs> to make it the most readable. Oh, I fucking hate myself. Do you? Oh, man. More and more every day. I mean, as any true American would. Yeah, I mean, we all do. It comes with uh, being American. I'm proud to be an American. No. Well, at least I know I'm free. All right. Uh, but no. <laughs> I don't know, Corwin. Are you a business? <laughs> nope. <laughs> No, you cannot do whatever it is you would like. <laughs> All right. So, uh, more conversationally, it's 7%, 14%, 10%, 1,000%, 142%, and then 20%. Um, so, let's look at where that would put Tatis if he did not get this contract and didn't get any extension talk until Judge, until it was the same. Um, number of years into his career that Judge currently is. Um, I just use Judge because Judge is a very good player who has not received an extension yet, which is a little bit uncommon, but he is older. Um, so this works out well to this example. Who has new teeth. And he does have new teeth, which is wild. Um, so in 2020, in 2019, um, Tatis made 555000 And in 2020, he made 592000 so that's what he's made so far. So if he was following the judge model and then got a 7% increase, he would be getting paid um, 676000 in 2021. 2022, he'd be getting paid 743000 44000 um, And then in 2023, he'd be getting paid $9.2 million. 2024, he'd be getting paid $11 million. And then 2025 is when he would hit the market. So uh, what do you think the uh, market rate of a very, very good shortstop would be um, in four years. Uh, Give me a number. 30 million, 30, 35 million, 32, more. 32, 32 million. Pick one. 32. All right. Looks better. 
Guessing how many zeros I hit. That's 320 million. <laughs> a touch too many zeros. <laughs> All right, there we go. All right. So if from there, from 2025 to 2034, uh, Tatis earned $32 million per year, which is about $8 million uh, higher than his current AAV, uh, his AAV with his now contract is uh, $24.2 million. Um, if he got in a 10 year, 32, uh, $320 million contract, that would put his total, uh, earnings at $342 million for the, um, what is this altogether? 13 seasons. Um, sorry, 16 seasons, um, versus the $341 million he is going to end up making by the end of the contract he just signed. Um, including his pre uh his uh, his pre-contract seasons. Um, so the same, it's the same. Yeah, I mean, granted, it was a very conservative thirty-two number, you know, for guessing his contract. But by all means, I, I guess the number that made this a very intriguing argument. He's basically buying himself security. Yeah, by and you got to think now. present value money versus future value money. You know, yeah. he gets to start. Uh, investing his his money and, and building his life a lot sooner. And yeah. he gets the security. Did you hear about the stipulation where he owes a company points off of all future earnings because he got a cash advance as a young player coming into the league? Basically, there's this company, I think it's like BIA or something like that, where they will give you... I know this company hard cash in exchange for a certain percentage of all future earnings. So, you know, their example was, you know, $50,000 for 1% of your future earnings, which by all means, off the top of the bat, just thinking of how player contracts and, you know, major sports work sounds really fucking stupid, especially for young players. A guy like Fernando Tatis, who, just signed a $340 million contract. That's an insane amount of money you would have to give. $3.4 million. For, right. If for, you know, maybe he got a good deal and got a couple hundred thousand. No matter how you look at it, a guy of his talent, even coming up as, you know, a young player, signed you know, uh, with the White Sox, signed with the White Sox for yeah. $700,000 out of the Dominican Republic. Here we are now. And it's like, well, I just, you know, I, I know MLB, MLB Players Association have all, you know, denounced this company as not something they support, not something players should look into, you know, not a smart investment. Uh, the, lack of financial training that players receive, you know, even especially before they come into the league, you know, granted that's not something we can affect, we can change, but even afterwards it's, it's staggering, you know, like these guys are given such large amounts of money and, and there's really just not a whole lot there protecting them. Uh, I, I disagree pretty strongly with the sentiment goddamn ridiculous that MLB is I don't know how they would be able to do that you can't really control what companies players deal with but at the same time I, I don't know I, I really don't know I don't know enough about well, the, this to begin with the but, idea because I've heard the the uh, guy who owns the the company talk about what the idea is and the idea is that baseball does a terrible 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 job of providing for young players. I mean, we talk about this all the time that sticking out in the minor leagues blows because you get paid minimum wage seasonally. Um, and if you're good and you got a signing bonus, you can kind of live on that for a little bit. But if you didn't get drafted in like, you know, the first round or maybe even the first three rounds, you don't even have a big signing bonus. Your signing bonus might be like maybe a few thousand bucks. So, the idea behind this this company is that 
they will give X amount of dollars just to help the players survive and they'll give it to you so that you can get by. And then should any of those players actually make the big leagues and get a contract, they'll take some of that money and it'll get put into other new players. So it's, it's basically the idea. It's like reverse insurance where insurance is there. Everyone pays in. And if someone gets hurt, they get a large sum of money back to cover costs of medical um, expenses and whatnot. Uh, Whereas in this, everybody gets money, gets a little bit of money. And then should any of them get successful, a slight amount of those dollars um, respectively comes back into the company so they can continue giving out money to prospective baseball players. Um, and it, and it makes total sense. It, it really just, this, this company is such a scam. It drives me nuts. I just hate seeing this kind of shit, especially when it's specifically targeting people with not a lot who the chance or the, the second they do make good amount of money. Oh, mine. I mean, I don't, I don't see how that's scummy though, because it's, it's helping baseball players who otherwise have zero dollars be able to afford food. It would if it wasn't. So the whole like caveat is like if you, like the, the way they draw it in is like oh like if you don't make the majors you don't owe us anything you get to keep the money, which is fine sure they probably just aren't making those kind of investments in players that don't have a high probability of making the major leagues it's just i don't know something about the re- the return ratio on this is just it it just doesn't seem right to me but again, i mean it it's, really it's one fifth of what he pl- of what he, really tatis like. is going to end up paying to his various lawyers and managers and I mean, it's one percent. We don't. It's we don't nothing. know that though. We don't know what the percentage is. We don't know if it's one percent. We don't know if it's ten percent. We don't know if it's more. We we really don't. Um. Who knows? Who fucking knows? I can't imagine a guy who signed for a seven hundred thousand dollar signing bonus was really strapped for another fifty thousand for one percentage point. Well, yeah, that part is what seems weird, more. especially when his dad was an MLB ball player. Right. Tati specifically know. seems like a weird. I just, I just guy want to protect this. him. I just want to protect him. You know. No, I get it, exactly. but. And again, this company wouldn't exist if MLB just provided for young ball players. It's that's the only reason this company is here. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to make it sound like you shouldn't have a side-eyed glance towards them because they are a company in America. <laughs> um. But at the same time, they do seemingly on the surface do a decent amount of good. So, um, because the guy who founded it, if I recall from the interview I listened to with him correctly, and it's been a, a while, this company's been around for a little bit, uh, and I heard him talk a few years ago. Um, he was a minor league baseball player. Um, so he he he's basing the basis of the company is that. It's based a lot around his experience. Um, so, whatever. Tatis is a Padre for life. In that, I can be happy. Uh, yes, in that, you should be happy. Um, yeah, so other final talking point on this. Uh, basically, Tatis would need to have gotten, uh, had he not taken this contract or any other extensions to buy out his ARB years, uh, he would have need to have gotten a $33 million contract or higher in order to beat the dollar value of this contract. Um, and even then, it's just, I'm just not sure how much it matters. You know, there's something to be said about the security of a 14-year deal with no trade clause for you deciding your own fate. Like, Arenado getting traded was an Arenado decision in addition to a Rockies decision because Arenado had a no trade clause, didn't like the direction the team was going, and then waived the clause. And Which, how this can you is, blame him? Right, and that's exactly what you'd want. Like, Tatis is going to get the money no matter what, 
and he gets to say whether he is happy in San Diego or not um, and make that evaluation as like, per each fucking season. And that that means a lot to because right right now, sorry, sorry, two years ago, I bet Mookie Betts thought he was going to be um, a Red Sox for life. He always said he wanted a test free agency, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm willing to bet he probably would have thought he'd have gotten to free agency and then the Red Sox would give him money. <laughs> Um, instead of trading him away in the salary dump. Um, right. And, you know, Mookie wanting to hit free agency is a Mookie decision, and, you know, you got to respect that. Players want to get as much money as they can, and that's a great way of doing it. Um, but there is something to be said about having just that security at 21. You know, like, Tatis can go buy a house in San Diego now and, like, feel comfortable that the only way he's moving is if he wants to. I will say the Padres originally approached Tatis with, I believe, a 10 or 12 year contract. And Tatis was the one who came back with, uh, no, let's let's make it longer. Let's make it my entire career. Which, as a Padres fan, holy fuck yeah, dude, I'm all about it. And, you know, obviously his relationship with AJ Preller has a huge, huge uh, role in this. Um, and those two have been incredibly close since he joined the team um man it's it's so exciting it really is i am happy for you buddy start watching hockey pens win the cup start watching football actually i started watching after the steelers one so that doesn't count start watching the padres and they signed to forever and win six world series i am a lucky man I mean, we'll see. Let's see your Padres play 162 games. To be fair, they're very, very good. But. To be fair. <laughs> uh, all right. So in 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 less good baseball news, um, more upsetting, frustrating baseball news. Um, the one of the presidents of the uh, Seattle Seahawks, sorry, Seattle Mariners. And you know, last year, last week, I, I wanted to say Mariners. When I was talking about the Seahawks. Fuck me. Um, the Seattle Mariners president had to resign this week uh, due to comments he made to the Seattle Rotary Club. Um, I, I have been completely out of the loop on this. So please, for me and those others, who have been living under a rock, please explain what he said and and the situation at hand. So he got invited to speak at this Rotary Club just to, you know, make an appearance, talk about some Mariners baseball, talk about how the Mariners are going to be an agent of good and change in the community and in society and all this shit. And he his opening remarks... Not questions. His opening remarks are about service time manipulation. And he starts talking about how there was no way in hell that any of the the, um, Mariners' top prospects were going to set foot in T-Mobile Park last season, which is why he was so relieved that they didn't have any COVID outbreaks. But he said that even if they did, they still wouldn't bring up the top prospects so that they wouldn't have to start the clock on their um, service time. And he, he name drops some of the prospects. He name drops one of their younger pitchers, um, Jared Kalenic, um, a few other guys about how like they were not sniffing T-Mobile Park and how they um, were hoping to avoid bringing them up this season or starting them on the, 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 the 25 man this season as well. Like they just out of, just out of nowhere. Um, and and that in of itself, it's one of the things everybody who watches baseball and knows baseball knows about baseball, but you don't usually hear him say it. And he was proud of it. He was genuinely proud of it. It was his opening remarks. <laughs> I don't know what you get out of that. He said the thing that everyone just keeps to themselves and thinks. And 
the like dirty little secret of baseball that everyone's fighting, he bragged about it, which again, in and of itself, fucking ugly, ugly look. So there's that. He then goes on later on to talk about how um, uh, Kyle Seeger's overpaid. And he, he he hates Kyle Seeger's contract. And um, apparently the Seegers are looking to um, sell their home now because uh, they're not anticipating staying with the Mariners much longer. Probably at, at this point must be the longest tenured active Mariner. Um, and one of the only good players on the team. And that's not saying much because I, I like um, uh, Kyle Seeger. He's not his brother. <laughs> He's 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 a good player though. Um, Clearly the team leader. Uh, yeah, I I am just hard pressed to think uh, what. And again, it's like, what did you get out of that? That might be your your true opinion as as a baseball front office member. I'm sure every baseball front office member has an opinion on who in the roster is overpaid and underpaid, and that's part of how you assess them. In terms of um, their trade value, um, their playing time, that type of shit. So, I, am I surprised he has an opinion on that? No. But what the fuck are you doing saying it on a recorded Zoom call to a fucking Rotary Club? Had it been drunk? No. Stone cold fucking sober. Stone cold sober. I, I mean. It... It, it 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 it's just nonsense. It it's just it's just absolute nonsense. And oh, and this is all like the preamble to the the real shit of the conversation. The the part that I think has me and everybody more upset than anything else is the reasoning why he actually resigned. Right. Is that he was talking about one of the the Japanese players on the team? I forget his name. I'm trying to see if I can find it. Um, Kikuchi. I, I think I think it was you say Kikuchi. Um, my laptop's being difficult. Uh, no, it's a uh, Hisashi Iwakuma, um, who who was on the team um, relatively recently. But anyway. Uh, and he was saying that he hated paying uh, uh, Iwakuma's um, translator, and how and he made comments about how all the players should just learn English. Um, he derided Julio Rodriguez's English, who is one of their top prospects as well, and said that he like I don't know has a hard time understanding what he's saying and the kids should just learn English or some shit like that. His English isn't very good. You know, blah, blah. Why should I be paying for your translator? And it, it it's fucking bullshit for so many goddamn reasons. Um, and it's, it's, inf it's the worst kind of bullshit because it's infuriating because it's just hate. Whether he realizes it or not, that's just, that's just, hating foreign people for being foreign. Even if they were domestic, even, even if, if, if fucking uh, Julio Rodriguez grew up in fucking America, there's, there's no requirement for him to speak English. I don't care if he grew up in fucking South LA speaking, you know, nothing but Spanish at, at home and went to a Spanish high school and all that shit. doesn't fucking matter. He doesn't, he doesn't have to speak English. He doesn't want to. If he feels the best way and most comfortable way for him to communicate with the millions of people who watch baseball is with a translator then then th that's all there is to it how on earth is that controversial just textbook definition of xenophobia textbook and it the, it's just disgusting it's disgusting in its own right but the owner or the gm of a team where so many of your players are from different countries, different cultures, speak different languages. It, 
I, I don't know how the team operates, and, and obviously it's not well being the Mariners as of late when you have such a biased and distorted view on reality and distorted view on the people you employ and the people who make up your team, the people who spend so much time, you know, putting it all out there for your paycheck and, and your reputation and do just as much, if not more for the community as a whole. It's, you know, I don't want to be all high and mighty here. It's just, this is just ridiculously unacceptable. And I am very glad this was a very quick resignation. I'm we'll get to the attempting to stick around. I'll get to the resignation in a minute. Cause I have opinions on that too, but I mean, let, let, let's assume a world where Mather didn't get fired or, or resign and stay with the team. And that was, and let's assume that that became the culture of the team. That means that every time Julio Rodriguez or you say Kikuchi or, or fucking whomever needed to use a translator, they are going to go in front of cameras with a translator and think to themselves, the president and part owner of this team hates me for doing this. And that becomes the culture of the clubhouse. They're going to have to look around their clubhouse and go, I wonder who else that I play with and who else that I rely on and to support me also hates that I'm doing this. And that's how they're going to have to live. And that's bad on a humanitarian level, on an interpersonal level, on a human level. It's also bad for your fucking team. Imagine Yusei Kikuchi becomes the ace of, 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 of the Mariners, but every time he has a bad start, he starts having to question. Anytime he has to fucking talk in front of cameras, he has to question his either his ability to speak English or his use of a translator and feels awful about himself. Is that a recipe for fucking success in your goddamn book? Like, like how do you think that's going to go? And then this loops back into the conversation that Corwin and I just had on, on uh, Monday's podcast with, with Randy Wilkins, which is this is opinion that this man has had forever. There's no way he grew this opinion recently. And he's one of the guys at the top of a franchise. And he's one of the guys that has probably been, you know, cock blocking all the progress that we've been praying for because the people in positions of power in baseball oftentimes seem to have these opinions. This is the systemic aspect of it. Now, does that change the fact that the Mariners hire translators and, you know, get a lot of foreign born players? No, but this is the culture that they have. And, oh, hey, look, the Mariners are a shitty franchise. I think we all root for them as one of the sad sack teams around baseball, the way people rooted for the Cleveland Browns before they got good, and the way some people are kind of pulling for the Orioles right now. That's been the Mariners for the last 20 years. But you got to wonder, with this type of bullshit racism, is he listening to the Spanish guy in the, in the um, player development department who might have an opinion on who to draft? Is he listening very closely to the uh, Japanese scouts over in the MPB who might need to use a translator to communicate their ideas to him? Like, it's it. And also, he's a fucking dick. He's an asshole. Is, does this change hiring practices? Like, there's so many levels that this level of idiotic, racist thinking permeates into a franchise that this is the, it's the exact shit we were just talking about. And then the story of course breaks like five minutes after we finished recording. Uh, but I, I, it's again, it's one of those things that, you know, happens and Oh man, does it still fucking stab you in the goddamn eyes when you see it? Uh, I, this is, I will try to play. I don't want to say play devil's advocate, but find the silver lining here. This gives the Mariners who have a, a very strong young core who have a, a very top heavy group of young prospects that all have the chance to make major impacts uh, with Jared Kellenek, Julio Rodriguez, Kyle Lewis. I think they have to hire a, 
a really a special GM, a, a progressive young GM that can, you know, carry this team and, and do something really, uh, really good. And, you know, based off of Mariner standards, if they hit 500, that would be reaching that. So, you know, hopefully they, uh, they figure their fucking shit out. Do like I'm, I'm sick of all these different, you know, people being put in situations where they can make the right move and just resort back to, to the comfortable, easy, wrong choice. I want to see them make the right move. I, I'm looking forward to it and, you know, hopefully they can buck the trend and actually do it. Well, and then that here. brings me to, to the way that Kevin Mather left the organization resignation in which in the Mariners, uh, press release on the situation. They thanked him for his 25 years of service. You had a chance as an organization to make a real statement after a swath of outrage, after a year of awakening about um, race and culture differences in America. And you chose to let him resign and then thank him on the way out. Make a statement. Fire the guy. Fire him. And don't say thank you when you do it. You had a chance to say to look at your players whom he just fucking insulted and say, we got your back. We didn't realize he was like, you can, you know, it's going to be a lie. You can say, we didn't realize he was like this. We're, we got your back. We don't like this. We're standing against it. I don't care if you forced him to resign or not. Make a fucking statement about it and don't thank the guy on the way out. I, Look, I understand he was probably going to, if you fire him, he gets a big severance bonus or whatever golden parachute nonsense that is. But at least it's a fucking statement. I mean, at least you have the, uh, you know, you got to put that down in the record books that we took a stand on this instead of letting the guy leave on his own terms in a kind of way. Fuck that. It's fucking weak. Completely, one hundred percent, thousand percent agree. It's uh, it's bullshit. Like how? Who runs their PR department? Like how can you run a company, which is what the Mariners are, in such a high? Uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Such a high profile. Uh, prof. Thank you. High profile environment, like being a major league baseball team especially what's been going on over the past year, year and a half, two years with so many people standing up for racial equality in 2020, 2021. And this is such a major break that you just kind of attempt to sweep it up under the rug and be like, all right, he's gone. We thank him. He was a great guy. Oh, he had, you know, Tough statement. Oh, that sucks. All right. Well, let's move on. It's like, no, you can't just do that. You can't do the fucking lowest possible amount with just the least possible amount of effort and just expect people not to fucking give a shit. Just, ugh. we need better. We need to demand better. I, I know. I, I know, man. It's, it's so, it's so fucking upsetting this type Indeed. of shit um guys and it just and i can't ever let go the fact that he's saying this in baseball baseball one of the most intercultural sports we have obviously baseball has issues with drawing in african-american people but i mean it still has a colossal Latin and Asian population. There's translators all over the sport. It's mm -hmm. such a Hispanic and Asian sport. How do you have this opinion in baseball? I, oh, God. And it's just like, do you you know, you, you know that he walks around meetings talking like this, too. You know, this, no, this, this is not news to anybody in the Mariners organization. They all knew. Yeah. You know, Kevin. You know, Kevin, he he hates Hispanic people, but I mean, you know, he's got some good takes on a uh, player valuation. So, 
you know, he owns like 5% of the team. We can't really fire him. It's just Kevin, Kevin. He drinks on Fridays too early. You know, Kevin. And that yeah. guy's probably at every team. Yeah. Nobody comes out and says these kind of things on a zoom call to a rotary club. Just ad libbed first time having these thoughts. Oh yeah. He was very comfortable sharing these opinions with people. He's never met in a fucking zoom call, zoom call. For a Rotary Club. Yeah, I feel like the Rotary aspect is definitely what we need to be focusing on here. I mean, it's just it's just so ludicrous. It wasn't even like a personnel meeting. Uh, fucking whatever, man. It is bullshit. Bullshit. Um, which also has me thinking... Um, why is Mickey Calloway still employed? How on earth is the investigation they're like, I guess, legally required to take taking this long? What are they investigating? Investigating the amount of time it would take for people to forget. I, I, I mean, you know, obviously Mickey Calloway's uh, a pervert and asshole, uh, misogynist and wrong um, and could have retired and isn't. Uh, or um, resigned and and isn't going to do it. Um, so the angels have to do this process, I guess, by California law. But like, f- fuck, man. I mean, unless there's some weird minimum requirement of time for investigations, this is this is like before lunch break level of time needing to be taken to make this investigation complete. Hey, Mickey. Um, we are still firing you, uh, and, uh, our investigation found all the screenshots that got posted in the articles about it. Uh, and we don't really feel like we need anything more than that, uh, because your face is also in the screenshots. <laughs> so it's not like you can say you didn't send them because there is your shirtless picture. So you're fired. Um, don't know how it's taking this long to basically just say that because that's them's the facts, Jack. But I, I, I mean, it's got to happen eventually, right? Please, God, God. You say that, but I don't know. <laughs> Breaking, Mickey Calloway gets hired as new president of Seattle Mariners. I, I'm not going to make a joke. I don't want to. I don't want to jinx that into becoming a reality. No, if anything, the Mariners will make a smarter, more savvy hire like Kurt Schilling. Could you fucking imagine? Uh, yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. All right. You got anything else to say? I think we should wrap this up. It is getting late here on the East Coast. Um. Thanks, buddy. I made hamantashen. They're hideous, but they're delicious. Happy Purim, fellow Jews. Let's go make sounds every time we hear the name Haman for some reason. Mm-hmm. I need, I need, I need a noisemaker. Um, it's a goofy holiday. I, it's so dumb. I love it. Um, it's most Jewish holidays. Anyway, uh, yeah, there's other stuff has happened in the wild, wild world of sports. Um, Tiger Woods had his accident. Prayers up for Tiger. Um, we have not much to say about the incident as it as of right now. Uh, we're not big golf people in terms of the conversations on the show, but tragic day in sports. We're hoping um, for the sake of humanity that Tiger is all right and that his sobriety is not in question for this. I would really hate to see that for um, selfishly and for him as well and his family. Mm-hmm. Um, but prayers out to tiger. Um, Artemi Panarin stepped away from the Rangers for a bit with some Russian political nonsense. Uh, we think it's tough to say it feels like a New York post article in real life. Um, and if you don't get that, don't read the New York Post. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I saw someone on Twitter be like, I must be a real New Yorker now. I get the post delivered to my house. And I was like, oh, 
If you were a real New Yorker, you wouldn't be getting the post. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck the post. Anyway. Uh, yes. Um, so there's other things going on. Nothing we're going to spend too much time on right now just because there, there's not long-form discussions like what we had. But um, spring training is underway. Pitchers and catchers have reported. Batters have reported as well. There's, there's cool shit going on. We, the baseball videos are back in circulation. Hopefully, uh, come next Sunday, this upcoming Monday, I should say, we have um, some, some more fun baseball topics. Keep an eye on hockey, and we'll let you guys know what's going on. But I think that is the show for the week. Unless, Corwin, you got anything else to say? No. All right. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. If you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. And until Monday, y'all have a good one. Bye.